Last time on the Dura Sisters podcast, the Dura Sisters had so many episodes they had to split up their Voyager series into two. Watch these two sisters battle it out with their photonic friends and enemies in part two of the Voyager holodeck series. Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Bator of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And you already know, you listened to our recap. So today is part two of the Voyager Holodeck episode featuring uh, some more episodes about (laughs) Voyager. So I hope you listened to part one. Uh, Last time we covered a study in holograms and holodeck excursions. And then this week we are going to be starting off with chapter two of holodeck excursions with to guide you through. So I don't want to get started right away. We've only been here for like 30 seconds. So Rihanna, how are you? And I know you're moving right now. What's going on with that? (laughs) Yeah, I was just packing before this, um, and I have a little Lily next to me. She's doing a nice stretch, and we're ready to re- record this pod today. How are you, Ashlyn? I'm doing great. I'm, I had today off work, which was wonderful, and yet I am actually recording at work because no one is here, and it's a kind of a lovely studio environment that I've created. <laughs> Truly, you've got your cup of tea. You're ready to go. Absolutely. I'm wondering, Rihanna, if you have been thinking about our discussion on holograms since we last recorded part one, because I thought we had some really awesome conversation. I mean, I can never stop thinking about Voyager. So even after we were done recording last night, I was like, dang, that was a fun episode. And also, I am just still like continually impressed by how they're handling all these episodes. Yeah, I've been nonstop thinking about our discussion and really excited to get into different types of episodes you know with with this part two but yeah it's so fun to get to look at Voyager from this angle because when do we ever get to you know besides like some doctor family episodes which we will be discussing very soon so excited to talk Voyager and can't wait to pick a friend to help us on our journey absolutely and even though I'm at work I did bring some friends to choose from (laughs) love that Okay. All right, Rihanna, who, whoa, okay, tell the audience, who do you have? (laughs) I have seven of nine in her shiniest outfit. I felt that her legs didn't bend and I knew it was her, so (laughs) I pulled her up. (laughs) You also picked Nog last night who didn't, who couldn't bend his legs. Yeah, it's like children and women's rights are just not in these action (laughs) you know? Ashlyn, who did you pick? Um, I actually have Harry Kim. Yay! Oh my god. Oh, this is a little scary. Yeah, I don't... have to ward off his advances. Yes, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) We'll make sure not to keep them too close together. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. Okay, well, I'm very glad that we have Voyager uh, friends to help us with this section because we're starting out with a pretty intense episode, Real Life, which is the one where the Doctor does create his own family. 
Yeah, and before we get into discussion, I want to thank David Willett, Carlon Noscos, Wolfwit, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. Thank you so much for being our patrons. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And all of you listeners, thank you for joining us for this crazy part, too. <laughs> I still, like, I kind of knew we would have to split it into two episodes, but... Yeah. Now that we're here, like, day two, I'm like, this. yeah, this was the correct choice. And I'm very excited about what's to come. Yeah, and glad that we're doing it the day after. So we've been, this is the third day in a row we've done a podcast. It's <laughs> yeah. happened before. <laughs> but it's definitely, like, we've got to turn on those braids. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Star Trek braids. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, as Rihanna mentioned, we're going to be starting off with real life. We will then be talking about worst case scenario, so much watch over me, and human error to finish off this, to guide you through section. Yes. So... Let's get into real life. Um, I can give a brief plot synopsis in case you don't remember or blocked it out. <laughs> the doctor creates the idyllic family. It looks straight from a like 50s, uh, like, I don't know, poster about families. <laughs> <laughs> and Poster? <laughs> yeah, like a propaganda, not propaganda, but like, <laughs> this is the perfect one and a half children or two and a half children and the wife with the picket fence, you know, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And so then Bellana comes in, realizes this is not how family really is, and she creates a like algorithm that will change up the like circumstances of the family just enough to throw him some curveballs and simulate actual life and actual like how families actually work. Then <laughs> some very awful things occur, uh, and we all cry at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just turns to tragedy, and I was mm-hmm. very hesitant to include it because we did talk about it extensively in our family episode, yeah. but it is it is a heartbreaking episode and a good one to bring up because it is such good advancement for the doctor. It, yeah. Usually holodeck episodes feature something going wrong on the holodeck, but in this case, what goes wrong is, like, the doctor's family life. Initially, you know, he's programmed, like Rihanna said, them all to be realistic, but once Bellana makes that change... And they all have actual personalities, and they have their own wants and needs and desires. His He's terrible at being a patriarch in this way. Like, he's yeah. not listening to his kids. He's not thinking about his wife's needs or her perspective mm-hmm. and kind of getting a reality check of, oh, okay, maybe what I wanted wasn't quite, like, true, couldn't possibly happen in a real family dynamic. And then at the end of the episode, when everyone is at their height of disagreement, the poor daughter was playing Parisi Squares, has an accident, and dies. <laughs> it's yeah. so awful. Yeah, it's just like an insane conclusion to this story because I'm expecting, you know, some hijinks about, oh yeah, he has Klingon friends and the doctor's trying to limit that, and like his son does. And like, at one point he calls a family meeting and... The wife, of course, is pissed because she wasn't consulted about this meeting and it was changing everyone's schedules and, like, he's trying to create order where there is none, he said. And I'm like, oh my god, this is just how it is. You know, life is messy. And (laughs) the wife says, I'm not one of the children after all. I believe I should have some say. (laughs) She's saying, these kids don't have rights. I know that. I do. (laughs) So, therefore, I was cracking up. I'm like, oh lord. Um... But yeah, it's really interesting to see him create like this holographic family and 
life on the holodeck that he can like come home to after work um but yeah it, it's like of course a, ne- a use of a holodeck i never expected <laughs> yes uh yeah and you really do get drawn into the drama of this family because it it starts off so comedic and unrealistic that mm-hmm. by the time everything's happening at the end i am like fully feeling that emotion and definitely crying <laughs> yeah yeah i do wonder if Voyager had gone on and not gotten home like only a couple years after this if he would eventually have done this and like created a family on the holodeck or maybe started a relationship with someone else I'm not sure but like this was so traumatic for him that he does not pursue this again for the rest of our trip yeah and I think at least for me I'm wondering why can't they just save the girl you know like isn't there some sort of you know, just change a tiny sequence in her programming. And I know that that it then wouldn't simulate real life either. But it just seems like they've all of Voyager and the doctor's daughter is in trouble. Like they can band together and think of a solution, you know, that is still like, I don't know. It's just like, seems so final. And I'm like, but you're a hologram. So you live at different param- parameters of life than organics do, you know? So not everything about organic life is going to simulate what your family would actually be (laughs) so you could probably save her but it's just I don't know it's really tough (laughs) it is just really tough yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to say about that yeah I'm I'm with you and especially because we've seen so many episodes where they change the parameters on a whim for any Mm -hmm. reason Tuvok is deleting characters yeah yeah Yeah. I mean I'm so excited we're at some point gonna get to like Fairhaven and all of that nonsense and we see like it doesn't matter there's no continuity if someone dies you just bring them back so I I think now we're gonna move to worst case scenario which is an awesome episode once again just like last time we are seeing some really fantastic episodes that I straight up forgot about this one is also a hilarious coincidence happened with this one because Rihanna and I of course were watching all these episodes and so our partners both will just be around when the TV's on sometimes and both Danny and Brianna watched Worst Case Scenario with us and so it was really fun to have for me to have a like non-Star Trek obsessed person watching with me and just seeing what his thoughts were along the way so Rihanna if any of Brianna's thoughts come up please don't hesitate to share them as well. Yeah agreed it was so funny that because usually that doesn't happen but with a watch list this long it's bound to happen and it did that we had outside perspectives was really cool (laughs) yeah because the tv was on for like 60 hours of oh yeah (laughs) like Like they're gonna catch one of yeah 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 exactly (laughs) so Yeah. yeah worst case scenario um is in season three and when i think balana is going through the holodeck programs just like deleting files that don't need to be there you know like just cleaning out the computer she finds this old holodeck program of what would have happened if the maquis crew members had mutinied and tried to take over the ship and so balana is playing it she tells tom about this and then of course because it's such a small ship gossip travels all around the whole ship about this program and then people are playing it and they're giving each other tips like, oh, next time you got to like do it, but be on the side of the Maquis and help them take over. And someone else is like, oh, well, I like ended up in the brig. <laughs> so we see like people playing out these scenarios and it's really fun to watch. 
and it's riveting. And eventually, it gets to even the higher officers and Janeway and Chakotay and everyone knows about it. Yeah, I was thinking, like, who could have used this? Because everyone's trying to suspect, is it a hollow novel? Or I should have mentioned that it's not, uh, like, whoever made it is classified. And so, like, Bellana can't tell. No one can tell who made it. So it's this unknown author around the ship. And it's not clear whether this is a hollow novel that someone has written or, like, why it even exists. It's a really fun one and also a great way to get our Voyager characters or our Voyager actors to do something completely different with their character which is also really fun yeah I love when they get to be like inserted into the story because this is like how it is an author author where you get to play the main character and that's how you know holodecks are usually but it's interesting to see it in a way where they're interacting with their fellow shipmates in these really alternate scenarios and I loved seeing um <laughs> like they've talked to each other about oh yeah well this time like yeah try mutinying early like it's way more fun if you just go with it from the beginning you know and Tom's like no way you gotta like try to get in contact with Janeway so it's like the author literally created a choose your own adventure you know each scenario leads to a different outcome so it's a really advanced hollow program and really like technically very smart and everything and so my girlfriend Brianna, we were watching it and probably from like the first because you know it's very confusing at the beginning you're like why are they mutinying especially because Brianna has no idea what season I'm watching it or like yeah. it's just a random episode she's like is this like episode two or three I'm like no this is uh like the end of season three and she's like what you know and I was like yeah and so it go she's like it's got to be like a training simulation or something literally right early on I'm like yep check <laughs> you know I didn't tell her but I'm like ooh, interesting and then they're talking at, at the conference room about who could have done it she's like it's got to be Tuvok and then of course it was Tuvok so I was just so pleased how quickly she got it yes I thought we had we were having the same debate over on our couch as well yeah <laughs> I have the same thought as Brianna going in because I was running through all the characters like would this be Chakotay no, he would not do something like this. Maybe Seska is something mm -hmm. that I thought, like, I could see her, like, planning something, and so she's using it as training. And then I was like, actually, it's probably Tuvok, because he was like, that's how obsessive he is about, like, doing his job. <laughs> Danny thought it was Janeway. And he <laughs> <laughs> I love that. He was like, no, it's definitely Janeway. She's, like, putting them all up to something. <laughs> Excellent. Oh Cracks me up. He also is like, he, he kept saying after uh, like the third or fourth episode he like stumbled in upon while I was watching, he was like, there's the holodeck in a lot of these episodes. And I was oh, like, yeah. yeah. It's like, it's the holodeck series. It. Yeah. <laughs> That's hysterical. Um, yeah. It was just really intriguing watching it with Brianna too because she's like I can't believe how late on into the mutiny and then she was like well if I were there I'd mutiny right away like are you serious that's the best that's the best role to be in and I was like no way you gotta like play the inside man and then take the ship <laughs> like back for Janeway and she's like nah I'm going evil all the way <laughs> so that tracks yeah, just, though like her yeah, favorite absolutely. characters are this like all villains, all villains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she loves villains yeah and so 
it's just really funny because this episode can really spark that. Like, what would you do in this situation for everyone? And Neelix is playing, like, Jadeway, of course, played. So I think at one point, so. Everyone knows that I would also back Janeway. <laughs> like, there's, yeah. yeah. Unless I played it enough times that I'd be like, okay, let's go Chakotay. What do you got to yeah. offer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Question, though, for you. I know Tuvok did this for his job, for, for training. Is this non-HR compliant? Yeah, it's not super ethical. And it, I think if it had been found earlier on, it would have sparked, like, a lot of distrust within the ship. But now that it's, like, almost season four, everyone's pretty comfortable with each other. And they know that, like, no way would we mutiny at this point. Like, Seska's dead (laughs) (laughs) by this time. So it's it's not even a question and it's that's why it's more fun and like playful you know um but of course we forget we're forgetting the second half of this insane episode but i'll um but yeah i i think that it's not ethical in the stance of like let's make characters and like paint them in this really or let's let's make crew members that we know and paint them in this light it could have gone way, yeah, just timing is everything for this, truly. But either way, not a good move, Tuvok. And he's sort of the person to say, like, anything for the security of the ship, you know? But that can sometimes fall into, like, Odo territory where you're like, this is not ethical, the things you're doing. Yeah, interesting answer. I think that Janeway has a tolerance for these type of holodeck programs that some other captains wouldn't. Absolutely. And I think it goes along with what we were talking about last episode is that Janeway has sort of a naivety or like chooses to be ignorant about or just doesn't care all of all of the above maybe um, about the holodeck in these early episodes and doesn't like consider any further ramifications i think she just sees it like as a place to relax and that's it which i also can understand because she's dealing with like a thousand other things so like she needs to relax and it's so rare for her to be able to have that time to chill Mm -hmm. that she's probably also choosing to not think deeper about it because if she allows this type of program to like surface and be played by everyone I feel like it's a slippery slope into the crew yeah. making other like hollow novels that feature people of the crew. I mean, and this does happen Which exactly does happen, yeah. with author author. And it, I just feel like it could have been more problematic if it had like spread throughout the ship, like that idea. So I don't know, but also like Tuvok, you do you, he also could have done it as like, you know, a, not the crew members that they are like I don't know he could have done it with like a like a bird human or something (laughs) yeah or even like a different ship which is still like not great but it's like at least not using the literal people you work with every day well yeah and also like it's not like that Chakotay was actually realistic either yeah so you could have put like Riker in that hologram and it would have been fine in the holodeck like oh yeah I'd totally go with Riker (laughs) yeah 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 um Um, well, we have to we have to also yeah, talk Seska. about the insane <laughs> yeah ending because this is like Seska strikes again essentially yeah, from the grave. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, like, she's oh, been dead for a while. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And um, she essentially put like a bug in this program or something that if Tuvok entered it, then because everyone of course wants a conclusion, and so 
Her or Tom wants to like help him write it and everything in Tuvok's Legacy series. This was a training simulation, and I didn't feel the need to complete it because, like, it was all good. Was, yeah. yeah, not there. When he activated it, it pretty much like went on lockdown and turned off the safeties and made them play it through. It's really hilarious because they're like, we still have to make it Star Trek, and we still have to turn off the safeties at some point and make them trapped in there. And so they did it in a really interesting way with bringing Seska back. She's always coming back, whether it's in dreams or holodecks. Even, like, the ship cracking on every yeah, floor. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just keeps coming back. Literally. Yeah, so I love the tropes that we see, that we always see, is, like, the safeties are turned off. They have to play the whole simulation out because they can't shut down the holodeck exactly. on their own. Yeah. The aspect I also really like is that Bolana and Janeway are both working from engineering to try to combat Seska as the plan goes on because they think if they can... It was actually reminding me also of Hunger Games where um, the technicians, like while the Hunger Games are going, they can just like throw a like lion into yeah, the program. And that's so true. Janeway was trying to do small changes like that too to try to like just to try to help them and get them out that of there safely. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. Paris was like, good thing you didn't have writer's block. I was like, yeah, Jamie's just <laughs> yeah. a genius. Like, yeah. yeah. And she's doing it herself, which is, again, something I just love to see that you don't see with Riker or that you don't see with Picard or Kirk. I think mm-hmm. Cisco absolutely, like, yeah. you know, is on the comm as well. But mm-hmm. Janeway, she's just, like, such an engineer, and she's like, it's fine, I'll just do it. <laughs> Bolano, exactly. stand by. <laughs> totally. They did make a reference at the end. Yeah, they were talking about, like, let's just do a Western holodeck or something. Yeah, a Western or a detective program. Yeah, a detective I story. Like, I love that out to TNG. Yeah, I think Tom was talking about that. And Bolana, Bolana and Janeway, actually. Oh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> let's see it. <laughs> yeah, literally. All right. Well, now we're going to move on to someone to watch over me. And this, of course, is not really about being on the holodeck but it's you know the subject is to guide you through so it's someone using the holodeck to better aid themselves and in this case the doctor is giving seven dating lessons and he's using like bars for her to practice picking up yeah, men in the same tom paris bar he created like the hangout bar yes yeah the chess's birthday yeah. <laughs> all those years ago is now a faded memory <laughs> so true yeah this one we talk about extensively in feminism again like there are so many aspects of episodes that i want to talk about but just like are irrelevant Mm -hmm. so we'll just stick to the sort of basics of the holodeck in this it's such a great tool for learning how to date because you could just hit on a hologram (laughs) and if it doesn't work you could just start over like you could literally do that over and over um, but again, like we talked about in TNG, I think it might come to a place where you can't stop. You know, you're only trying with holograms because it's the only thing you feel comfortable with. Like Barkley and, like I said earlier, like Cheaty from The Good Place. You know, like at some point you've just got to go into the real world and try it. And so Seven does. And there's a lot of amazing and horrible things. <laughs> I love her first date yeah, with this guy. Oh my God, incredible. <laughs> but it also is just difficult you know so I I think that the holodeck is a great use though for that kind of practice and that kind of like softens the blow of what could really happen it's kind of like you when you practice a date with a friend you know or you like practice um an interview or something with someone you know well because then you're like okay at least I feel a little more comfortable and I'm more ready 
Yeah, this sounds weird, but it reminds me of like when I'm practicing for a piece, like to prepare a piece of music, it really helps me if I listen to a recording of it first rather than just going in blank because yeah. I have a sense of, oh, this is what the tempo is. Yeah, I could get out my metronome, but it's some times they don't have metronome markings. So it's like, oh, what is like, how does this usually go? And so then you have the confidence to like go forward and say, okay, now I'm going to make this happen. Yeah, literally. It even reminds me, like, I would make, like, our coach in cross country would pretty much ask us to do just, like, visualization before a race. And especially once we had run the course before, then you remember it pretty well (laughs) from all the pain you went through to do it. And it was like I would create my own little holodeck and do that practice the night before a race. And it actually does really help, you know. And so I am glad that Seven can have that place that feels a little safer than, you know, real men in the real world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and I was going to say, like, what prevents her from not being Barkley in this case, in this case, mm-hmm. is that the doctor is guiding her through all of these lessons. And so yeah. she has someone, I don't want to say he's, like, actually necessary, but I think he's <laughs> no. he's helpful for, like, pulling back and saying, okay, you've here's what you're lacking and here's what you're doing great at. Let's move on to the next lesson she can't get stuck on a lesson because he's there and he's like, okay, keep going, keep going, keep going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And really good point. A, a lot I of think... people don't have that person and later yeah. she's not going to either. Oh, you're so, so right. Yeah. And I think that the doctor wasn't the best person because he needs to learn a lot too. Anyway. Well, so... Tom says the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Yeah. Low key. <laughs> I mean, it's not kind, but it's definitely like has some merit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that definitely Seven could have benefited from, I don't know, dating lessons from, like, Jadeway or, I don't know, anyone who's, like, a, like identifies as a female, I think, would be better <laughs> because there's just these differences and also I, maybe less, what'd you say? I, like, hate myself for saying this, but the only man uh-huh. I would be comfortable with dating lessons is Chakotay, like, with Seven because yeah. he is really understanding and he's really patient. Mm-hmm. And he's also very knowledgeable about how people interact with each yeah. other. So I like, flirt. like he's, I, he's, he's smooth. I hate that I said that. Like it's disgusting yeah, like, that I like, said I'm that. Not <laughs> I'm yeah. not that person, but I yeah. I can't deny that he, those are his strengths. And it's, but also, yeah. Janeway has the exact same strengths. So just let Janeway teach yes. you date. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's busy, but I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, yeah. It's just, yeah. So, (laughs) like, if you just look at Seven and see how she's talking to these men, you could think maybe she would be more comfortable talking to a woman. Just, just a thought. Well, and also a lot of men, (laughs) she doesn't have really this interaction in this episode, but a lot of men are intimidated Mm -hmm. by how forward she is. And this guy who she's (laughs) going with, you remember his name? (laughs) I sound so old. That, that young man she's going with. (laughs) That that handsome young man. He like Tom says that he's he's already intimidated by women and is pretty like not yeah. confident. So I I just love this interaction because she's just like, come on, let's do this. Like follow my he's lead. Like, oh. You know, yeah. He's like, what's yeah. going on? Wild. Yeah, I just yeah. I yeah. Seems to like impossible to mess up a date with her. You know, like you just let her lead the way and yeah. I don't know. And I think there's <laughs> a lot of like lack of understanding of her situation from. You know, yes. obviously holodeck characters can't do that. Like, they don't understand why she's being this way. And the men that she's choosing who are already intimidated by her don't understand that that is just, like, 
four confidence, not set, not like seven confidence, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, once you get to know her, she's quite different than what you're imagining she is. Um, Just give her that, yeah, space to do it. Yeah, exactly. This episode reminds me of, again, sorry, reminds me of TNG where Data's like trying to learn comedy because anytime someone tries to learn something about human interaction on the holodeck, it usually (laughs) does not work out. I don't know. I just, I was thinking about that because you can like program a holodeck to like make the interaction successful. So of course it's not going to be genuine. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. True that. And that leads us right in to human error. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Seven. I just, I was really, of course, dreading watching this one because the summary is like Seven Falls for Holographic Chakotay. And I'm like, well, I (laughs) don't want to watch that one. But actually, it's a wonderful study of Seven of Nine and all of the progress that she's made since she became Borg. This is episode 17 of season seven. So we are really getting down there. Mm-hmm. And it shows that she she's kind of acting like Barkley, honestly. Like, yes. she's spending a lot of time on the holodeck. She tells everyone it's like a project she's working on. And she tells the doctor that. She does not tell the doctor the truth. So she's just like, mm-hmm. on her own, kid. She's creating this life for herself on the holodeck where she can remove her implants. And where she has her own quarters that she can decorate. And just things that she wants for in real life and she and like a relationship too so she starts building this like relationship with holographic chicote it ends up like getting so much in the way it's taking up so much of her time it's so addicting to have that life Mm -hmm. that she almost lets the ship get destroyed because she is putting off things to do in astrometrics yeah and she's not at her post at certain times similar to barclay's behavior and this is such an understandable response and I think it only got this out of hand because she pushed her pushed everyone away and we talked about this with Bolana you know it's this very similar reaction of pushing people away saying you're fine and then it getting really out of control and it does when she also collapses on the holodeck like wow I'm seeing a lot of similarities between her and Bolana she you know the doctor is like you can't just remove your implants like this because it's really hurting you and it could kill you and it's just so interesting that she uses the holodeck as this place of like escape almost even though she's still like it's still a facsimile of voyager and of her real life and voyager but it's an escape from the actuality of like having to go talk to people you know there's one thing to read about dating and there's another thing to go and do it and same with social interaction and if 709 is not a metaphor for like all of us after the pandemic you know like having to relearn things and there are so many times where I'd rather just sit at home and read a book about people going out and having a great time than actually going out and having a great time myself you know so and that can work for a while but at some point like we said just the last episode you have to go back in the real world and try it And it's so hard for Seven because there are these people who are, like we said earlier, not giving her that space to grow at her own pace and also because she's not reaching out. So it's this like dual effect. Yeah, it's how you get stuck in this cycle and then you're just Mm -hmm. like forever isolated. I think similar to Barkley, we see also that she has a completely different, not completely different personality, but she's much more confident and she's not afraid to ask for things that she wants. And I think it comes with having no implants, honestly, when she's on the holodeck, 
because yeah. I, I only say that because I've watched season two of Picard and exactly. I know that in the like future timeline that Q changes, she doesn't have the implants and she was never assimilated and she's just Annika Hansen, president of Earth, you know, like yeah. she's <laughs> like being amazing. And then when they go back in time, she is completely unencumbered by Borg implants and she is more confident and she's like, I'm finally human. I can finally fit in. And so I feel like that's got to be a huge reason. And I mean, I totally understand if it's if something about your appearance is something that always makes people look at you or like always makes you feel like you're in the spotlight to suddenly not have that pressure has got to be amazing you know like such yeah. a huge change it, yeah especially when it's something a symbol of such hatred because the, everyone hates the borg kind of thing you know and this is another thing that picard is teaching us is that the borg are victims too you know and so it's but it's really hard for people to separate that because all they see it's the same with cisco and seeing picard all he sees is lacutus you know and that's just something that people can't really reconcile until they do their own work around that oof, it makes it so much harder for seven to just exist in an environment and feel safe and comfortable so i really get it this is a total natural response as she's starting to come out of her shell more yeah and we find out at the end of the episode it's because of what happened in unimatrix zero where yeah. whenever she was asleep she would go to unimatrix zero this location where other Borg went when they were asleep and it was like a, a form of resistance and she even was in love with someone like she had a relationship mm -hmm. she finds out and so of course her like figuring out oh I used to have this life where I wasn't a Borg and where I could be my real self of course she's wanting to have that back totally. the of course again non-HR compliant with like falling for hologram Chicote. But yeah, seven, she, she really. chooses him for all the reasons that I was talking about earlier. Like, he's mm -hmm. patient, he's funny, he keeps things light, he waits for the other person to go first. That's why his personality just, like, has to be with, it, like, a dom woman, you know? Yes, Like, Chakotay totally. needs a mommy, for sure. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes 100%. <laughs> I mean, Seska, like... The worst, yeah. but that's a mommy but if I've ever seen one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's too true. Absolutely. Um, so it's, I mean, it's not great. And um, I, I mean, this episode left me with a lot of thoughts. And yeah. oof, I, I just wish we would have seen her interact and discuss these feelings with Janeway. Like, I wish she could have been open enough with her to talk about it because I think Janeway would have been a perfect guide much better than the doctor I mean yeah, he totally understood yeah why like, she was this way yeah. yeah and he's the one who finds her on the holodeck and he does not disclose this information with anybody else so different than Bolana. but of course she's not like depressed so yeah. it's a little bit different I wish that someone else other than the doctor she'd been able to talk freely about this same. She needs more allies than the doctor because he sometimes is motivated by selfish interests or by its attraction to her. And that's just not what you need. Like, she just needs one other friend, <laughs> you know? And so, yes, they're all her family, but it doesn't mean that they're all, like, open, you know, to listen to what she's going through yeah and even there's a whole scene at the beginning of the episode where they're at a i mean seven is practicing going to tom and balana's baby shower and she's yeah. like the life of the party and like giving presents and making toasts great and like speech yeah. great speech and 
Um, then when she leaves the holodeck and everyone's saying, oh, join us for the baby shower, and then she doesn't show up, um, it's sad to see. And then also later, I think what's even worse is later she does end up giving a gift to Torres that she made herself, these little, like, shoes that will survive, like... the cutest thing I've ever seen. Like a huge temperature change, like 10,000 degrees Kelvin or something. And Bolana, I feel like... Like, that's an opportunity to reach out, to reach back to Seven mm-hmm. and recognize, oh, my gosh, she's reaching out to me for, like, friendship. You handmade this. You handmade yeah. this. This is really sweet, even though it's a weird gift. <laughs> like, it's still really nice. I love that gift. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, I would. baby shoes to I protect their little die. baby feet. Yeah, so cute. Yeah. yeah, I would be like, can you replicate, like, a suit for me, too? Like, <laughs> a little baby give suit. A little onesie, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She would, though. She yeah, would. she would. And then also, a second time, Seven comes back to Bolana and says, your hair looks really good. What do you do with it? And Bolana's yes. like, uh, shampoo. Like, I don't do anything special. <laughs> but that, again, it's like Seven's reaching out, and it's things are just not going how they are going on the holodeck. It's just not as successful. So she just needs, like, a little hand to hold to make that bridge. The sad thing, the yeah. most devastating thing about this whole episode is that the doctor figures out you will never be able to like surpass this feeling of emotion because your Borg implants stop you because they know that emotion and love, that's like the edges of individuality and you will achieve, mm. you will be like unreachable by the Borg again if you like complete this level of like self-fulfillment, I guess. So I'm just wondering, was this barrier ever lifted for Seven at all? Like, is it now lifted in the future in Picard? <laughs> yeah, um, about Picard. I'm hoping it's been lifted for a long time because she had this relationship with Jezebel and everything. <laughs> Bejazel? Bejazel. <laughs> <laughs> Jezebel, who's that? <laughs> Jezebel. Oh my god. Um, yeah, she had this whole relationship with Bejazel, but I just wonder, like, how long? First of all, how long did it take for her to have that removed? And then also, this is a huge part of the Borg reclamation project that I'm sure they've been dealing with too. So, whoa, just yeah. a lot of like revelations. And I sincerely, I hope everyone is preparing to. Um, all fade away out of existence when Picard season three drops next month. It's like, it's a, literally a month away. It's a month from today, folks. I'm, I'm um, gonna cry with happy tears. Which today's the sixteenth, so you know how how late, how long ago we recorded this of January. Yeah. Uh, you should rewatch this episode before you watch Picard. So anyway, yeah, yeah. agreed. Woo! Because some revelations really like revelations. Yep, absolutely. All right, here we go. This is the part I think I'm most excited for in the pod. This is why we had to leave it for last. These are finally our photonic friends. So that means it's the main programs that our characters play, and they have reoccurring episodes. So first we're going to talk Captain Proton, and we're going to specifically focus on 30 Days and Bride of Chaotica, followed by Fairhaven. All righty then. Uh, (laughs) With Fairhaven, of course, and Spirit Folk. And then moving on to the Mrs. Davenport simulation that Janeway loves, talking about learning curve, persistence of vision, and cathethics. I actually don't know how to say that. Um, it's like cath, C-A-T-H-E-X-I-S. Cathex? Cathex. 
Cathics e Cathics. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's just the first scene. And then we're gonna end the whole pod with the Da Vinci section, talking about Scorpion Part One and Two, then the Raven, and ending on Concerning Flight. So four chapters wow. for you in the Photonic Friends section, and uh, it's gonna be an absolute blast. <laughs> the joy of a lifetime. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Can't yeah. Wait. Oh. And we have to start off with the great, the essential Captain Proton, a hollow program created by Tom Paris based on a sort of amalgam of early 1930s, early 19th century look into how space flight and space travel was depicted on television. And wow. He really did it. <laughs> he created a little like 1930s just j- joyful scenario, I guess. Okay, here's the thing, Rihanna. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think Tom did he create. I'm looking That's it my up. Question. I'm looking it up. Uh, in real the life, author, uh, the doctor calls him lowbrow. Well, so Captain Proton is real, like in the real world. Um, oh. <laughs> it's called Captain Proton, Defender of the Earth by Dean Wesley Smith. And so it, he go. presumed that in the Star Trek universe, the hollow novel Captain Proton was adapted from a 1930s pulp magazine set out to write and publish that story. Perfect. Okay, so thank you. What's his name? Dean. <laughs> What's his full name? Dean Wesley Smith. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Dean Wesley Smith, then, for the, the, the Captain Proton story. Yeah, and, I mean, it's essentially Doctor Who, like... OG Doctor Who, even OG Star Trek, like has mm-hmm. a lot of the earliest hallmarks of television in Captain Proton, including yeah. the sexism and the, the screaming yeah. sidekick. And the secretary. Always trying to, yeah. Harry's always trying to like get with the chicks on Captain Proton, which is a really like strange yeah. Or invite addition. the sisters, the, the Zebulon Oh, sisters. the Delaney sisters. I know, but the, they're the yes. Zebulon. Oh, thank you. I was like, Rihanna, <laughs> you forgot their yeah. names. Yeah, and actually I was watching this one with Danny too, and he was like, Ashlyn, why didn't you call your podcast the Delaney sisters? And I was like, <gasps> oh, man. man. They're not twins. That would have been even better for And you. they're too niche. Uh, let's be real. Yeah. Like, if you haven't seen Voyager you don't know the Delaney sisters yeah at least at least Duras has like a few but that's a really good like second I know I never like we never hear about sisters and you know it's always brothers Mm-mm. so <laughs> it's really nice to have another pair of sisters in the Star Trek universe absolutely so it, it doesn't actually start in 30 days it, um Tom starts running the program in the episode night which is the beginning, I want to say, of season five, when they are stuck in a realm of space that has no stars. So it's just like blackness, feels like a void that they have to go through for what they think is two years. It's really ends up just being like a couple months, which is still awful. Everyone's going through depression, and so the holodeck time is exponentially used. I think they even end up expanding the holodeck to other parts of the ship. Because um, they do a lot. As they do a lot. Theologian made them do that, yeah. Yeah, and so this is Harry and Paris's first foray into it. And then it's mentioned, actually, in a lot of episodes. Um, I'm just going to list them off real quick. I know we have an honorable mention section coming up. We see Captain Proton playing in the episode, of course, Night. Then 30 Days, Bride of Chaotica, Alice, Drive, Repression, Nightingale, Shattered, Author, Author, and Endgame. Which and is one. Wow. Okay, one. Wow. I'm just shocked his memory alpha's wrong. 
<gasps> but one has that first opening scene with Seven saying, like, what is a secretary? Because that's what Tom wants oh, to Oh, you're right. Proton. You're right. Yeah, that's funny. Interesting. Um, yeah. Well, anyway. In the episode 30 days, we again see Tom using it because the whole episode he's in jail and he's kind of like telling a letter to his dad in a flashback <laughs> so we figure out why tom is in jail and this is the one where he has his cause because he's committed to helping the the species who lives in a planet ocean like a uh, a planet that's just an ocean you heard me right it's really cool actually <laughs> yeah. the effects are like still hold up and i was like it awe. yeah it's super cool but it's it's you know, our classic global warming metaphor where the species can't work together to create a solution as to why the water is, um, is it like shrinking? I think like the ocean's losing mass. And so I think the planet is like about to like lose all of its water because <laughs> it's all going to yeah. like the planet is just going to fall apart. The people are not willing to make changes or listen to any of the suggestions that Tom finds scientifically to help, like, that will help them. And there's also this little guy with him who's yeah. a member of the species and a, is a scientist as well. Tom gets thrown into the brig, or he gets 30 days, Janeway says, of solitary confinement, which is really intense. Yeah, because he does end up helping the species, and he fixes a bunch of directives. Yeah, he like steals a shuttle and goes on his own. So, Ashlyn, in thirty days, we see in this opening scene, you know, Tom is just flying, having a great time. <laughs> I think this is like the the callback, or like what he's telling his dad about, you know. And so, I mostly like it's just a cute, you know, sort of whimsical opening scene. But I mostly want to talk about. The, there's a tiny scene in the middle of the episode where all of this is sort of going down and our Bellana meets Tom in the holodeck sees that he's just sitting in the Captain Proton program but like no one's there the hall's empty and he's just like I think retreating to his safe place you know like even if it's not some grandiose mission he's going on he just needs to be somewhere that's like a space he can think and feel you know, like he can just sort of get away from it all for a bit. So I thought that was really interesting to see him in there, not being Captain Proton, just being Tom Paris. Absolutely agree with you, Rihanna. That's where he can be his like full self on the holiday. Yeah. Like so many people feel they can be. So of course that's where he would find comfort. Yeah. I also want to mention that this is the Delaney sisters episode is 30 days. Yes. So in the beginning is when we see them. <laughs> And incredible and they do great like I love their acting in this I love it too it's a fun inclusion for them yeah okay well is it time to talk about one of the greatest holodeck episodes absolutely it is <laughs> so this is Bride of Chaotica and this is the part three of our appearance of photonic aliens and this is kind of the most famous uh, example of photonic aliens invading the holodeck and they come in forms of like gangsters or in suits or something um from mobsters kind of thing uh and uh, are interacting with the proton scenario in the holodeck but they believe everything that they see is real from this world saying oh well we don't consider organic life forms real we only consider the photonic ones real and so this involves a whole plot in order like the doctor has to go on pretend to be president of earth uh <laughs> Janeway has to go on and pretend to be chaotica and then Harry and Paris have to be on as proton and whoever Kim plays 
to go there and all have sort of a combat or all have like their their moving parts in order to save the ship and make sure that these photonic aliens are not I don't know murdered by Chaotica (laughs) yeah it's funny because this is really a diplomacy situation and (laughs) like should be handled with some grace but it's completely just in chaos because Chaotica is murdering these beings that are coming through this portal. It's a yeah. full out war. And I think they yeah. lose like 56 of their men. Crazy. It's really yeah. awful. I can like, I would understand if they, you know, never wanted to come back to this. Cause I, we yeah. learn later that they're explorers and they're trying to reach out to life that is similar to their own. And the holodeck characters are. Yeah. And they just stumbled into the find. wrong program. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, we do get the doctor as the, um, like he acts as the diplomat for yeah. this episode because he's like them. This is a trend I'm noticing in a lot of our episodes is the doctor, like we, like with the Beowulf situation is having to be the diplomat or the the hero or the person on the landing, the quote unquote landing party away mission type thing. So it is really interesting to see him have to try to convince these aliens like we are trying a coordinated attack to stop chaotica and like we will we are trying to save you and everything so um yeah i kind of want to talk about everyone's reaction to tom's uh program at first because before everything goes to hell he is just having a blast on his proton program (laughs) you know just fighting off chaotica and it's the like we talked about all of the tropes with the screaming secretary and is getting kidnapped and Harry Kim's his sidekick and all this kind of stuff. Um, and Seven and Tuvok are in total agreement that they think anything on the holodeck is a waste of time and Tuvok finds it all illogical. <laughs> and so, which of course Seven will grow to, to enjoy the holodeck in different ways, but it's interesting because really for Tuvok I think he only goes to holodeck holodeck when you know it's one of those parties where he protests doesn't wear his lay (laughs) or Mm -hmm. when he needs to you know have pot far in there which is rough (laughs) but sometimes you do what you gotta do when you're that far away from Vulcan (laughs) absolutely (laughs) yeah I mean I think too like Chakotay and um Janeway and everyone reacts to Tom's program in a different way and most of them are just rolling their eyes at him and I kind of get irritated at that because it's so like it's kind of gatekeep behavior to like judge people for their holodeck programs, you know, because everyone enjoys things differently. Yeah, if he had some non-HR compliant stuff or if he was making, you know, copies of his crewmates and stuff, then sure, like maybe raise some eyebrows. But otherwise, I was just like, can you just let him enjoy this thing without being like cynical or judgmental about it? Because that's like one of my least favorite things, especially being a Star Trek fan, kind of having to deal with that sometimes of people being like, oh, like, why are you wearing a Star Trek shirt? Like, that's so nerdy. And I'm like, why do you care enough to make a comment about it? So I was kind of feeling that way for Tom. Especially growing up. Absolutely. I felt that way. Uh, I was very outward with my nerdiness, but that wasn't until Mm -hmm. I found my people who would accept me as being a nerd. And I had it, I then changed it to be my identity. Mm -hmm. But before that, like, absolutely, totally identify with that. And you know what I love about Tom actually is that he does not care about what other people think. I mean, he's had this, I mean, he was literally in prison when they picked him up. 
Mm -hmm. So I think he doesn't mind just like beating to his own drum, which is very different from someone like Bashir, who is doing a program, to be honest, that's kind of similar to Captain Proton, where Mm -hmm. he's James Bond and he's like getting the hot girl. And Mm -hmm. it's just not quite as, you know, it's a different program, but it's similar. But Bashir is ashamed of his program and he doesn't want anyone to see it because it's his like secret little fantasy thing that he has. And Tom, he just doesn't care. He's like, hey, guys, come hang out on the holodeck with me at this cool program. And Harry's the only one who's really and the Delaney sisters, you know, like he along the way, even Bolana, I think, gets into it as well. Mm -hmm. Never as into it as Harry, but he does like start recruiting people to the holodeck. And this is the best episode because he finally recruits Janeway to the holodeck. (laughs) Yeah, because she's the only one who could pull off playing the... Queen Arachnia. The Queen Arachnia, yeah, of spider people. You know, like she just absolutely can pull this off. It's her demeanor, her captaincy, like just her ability to think quickly in a situation. And even if her acting has leaves something to be desired, like she still just gets the job done. And it's amazing to watch Janeway work Chaotica and then work what Laszlo or whatever Lazo, that guy who gets the pheromones. <laughs> yeah, I just love seeing her in this situation because at this point, this is season five. So all of the holodeck programs we've seen her in have been like the Mrs. Davenport ones, which we'll talk about um coming up soon. And they haven't, they're not really like puzzle or like escape room story type situation where they have to like get her, like run around the bad guy. Like she's not an action holodeck type person at this point. And so, and even ever, I think she just views it as like a calm atmosphere. Yeah. She has enough enough of that being a captain in the Delta Quadrant. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I think it's particularly masterful to see once, I mean, first of all, the, the scene where they convince her to be the Bride of Chaotica is amazing because everyone's cracking up and she really doesn't argue that much. She's like, okay, fine. I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) This is what this warrants. Like, she knows she'll get the job done too. So she's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is, it's like a joy to watch her destroy Chaotica at his yeah. own game. Because Tom, like, it's fun to watch him on the holodeck. He's Captain Proton. He does the right thing. But yeah. Janeway, just, it, she makes it look easy, everything that she does totally. to get out of Chaotica's situation and then control the whole environment just by saying a couple of lines. It reminds me, because I've been doing a lot of rock climbing the past like six months and or longer, the past like 10 months. And um, it reminds me of when you're like working on a project that's like a, a V2 or a V3 and you're like, man, th- like a medium level one, but you're just like struggling on it. You don't know how to get up. And then someone behind you, just like, like while you're taking a break, they'll do your V2 or whatever you're working on in one go, like without even trying. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Like I see what you did and I'm going to try to copy that. But that was awesome, you know, to see you just totally. crush that. Yeah. And th- that's how, that's exactly what Janeway is doing too. She's like, okay, this was easy. Like I do V8s regularly. Bye, Tom. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, it's incredible to watch her just finesse this. I also love to see Tom coaching her, you know, as they're walking to the holodeck because we get to see his passion and excitement come out and he's just thrilled, you know, to have more people on his program. And Janeway, like getting to be Arachnia is amazing. So this is probably his like dream come true. Um, and she just like, I just love all her facial expressions the entire time she's Arachnia. 
Oh I know. God. Yeah. I was dead watching this episode. The episode caters to a similar like camera style that they would even use in those old yes. like sci-fi shows. And so the, the way that the Yeah, the transitions. And then the way that the staging happens is awesome because Janeway is generally on the lower part of the screen and she's talking to Chaotica, who's behind her, whoever is behind her. Um, and so you can see the the camera is only seeing her face and Chaotica is not seeing her reaction. So she is telling a completely different story with her face than she is with her dialogue. And it's just amazing to watch Kate work this way yes. because you can see like this, it's clearly Janeway. Like she's not taking this seriously, but also she's still getting it done. So it's, yes. uh, it's like a masterclass in acting to watch this <laughs> <Yes>. episode. <laughs> It truly is. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned like the the filming because there are, you know, the intro of like last time on Captain Proton and that kind of stuff. And we get the dorky car like slide transitions and the robot, you know, I love that there are really specific things that make the environment feel very much like we're watching that, like a movie from that era, 30s, like 20s, 30s, 40s era so it's really fun to see also just the the like black and white over everything you know just adds to the drama and the intrigue and I just love and want to applaud Voyager for doing that because we don't get to see like the whole atmosphere of the holodeck a lot like this totally agree absolutely and they do a good job of establishing what the chaotica program is all about in the first like half of this episode because you see Harry and Paris like doing this adventure together and so then when Janeway arrives on the other side of this like when we don't see Janeway's part we see Harry uh, or we I don't know if Harry's there I think it's just Tom and the doctor Harry's there yeah Harry's there okay good um so we see everybody else like going in um to the holodeck and having conversations with the other species and trying to convince them hey everything's fine but i mean there's clear devastation that is not normal for this program totally totally yeah it's it's insane um ashlyn i have a question what do mm-hmm. you think chakotay would do if he could watch jadeway work chaotica well here's the thing we saw this in chat that's true yeah so he would <laughs> But he didn't really she didn't really get to be in her whole dress and like the the, the full piece, thing, you know, the whole spider web look. I like to think he saved that holodeck program and he <laughs> I'm has sure it on that file. Did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, we need a recording of this. Because we see it that whenever like, he pulls it up whenever he's sad to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we see that sometimes you could like watch into what's happening in the holodeck, which is crazy, yeah. but <laughs> Even in this episode, I yeah, think we see that. Was, yeah. And then like we were saying with um, Janeway, you know, sort of piecing together the story uh, to help them help. Who was it in our last episode? I <laughs> we just talked about it. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, I love the one line that Chaotica says. He says, the air itself seems to vibrate in your presence. And that's exactly how I feel about Kate Mulgrew. <laughs> Like seeing her in Bloomington and stuff, I was I was like, yes, Chaotica, exactly. <laughs> he gets it. Yeah, absolutely agree. I totally feel the same way. Yeah. I also love Janeway's line at the very end of the episode when um she finally like neutralizes Chaotica by wafting her pheromones <laughs> yeah, <to laughs> around get, everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So um good. 
she says, I don't know how, how, I don't know how to tell you this, but the wedding's off. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I just love her. Yeah. Yeah. So every, everything works out. They're able to close the little like thing that it (laughs) circle that it opened up in space, letting these photonic friends through and they go back to their own dimension and uh, it all works out, which is great. Yeah. And for once the safety stay on. So that is there's really like, good. There's like a really a sort of more fun tone to it then because you know everyone's not gonna die. <laughs> yeah, but Tom makes a good point because Janeway's like, oh perfect, like no safeties, yeah. like like no way I can't defeat him. But Tom yeah. says, like, you can still be gagged, you can still True. be taken prisoner, like mm-hmm. they can still like do stuff, they can still like restrict you. So keep yeah. that in mind. Okay, Rihanna, we just have to get into Fairhaven. I love Fairhaven so much (laughs) yes and I'm so glad that we get to talk about like the Paris you know Paris is sort of invented places and then we'll talk about Janeway's places so um we have another one that Paris has created Ashlyn you were talking earlier about the bar you know that uh Paris made in a little bit of episode or in part one of this and then a little bit earlier on in this episode of a place where people can come and feel like there get to hang out and relax and put their feet up metaphorically and in Fairhaven I think he took it just a whole incredible step further and created this small Irish town where people can go and kind of like retreat but also they can all experience it yeah this is a really cool program you're absolutely right it's an expansion on what Thomas tried to do before he puts everybody in this simple Irish town and the characters are supposed to be really interactive and really homely and they all know each other, a very small area or very small town. And I think they're going through a, I, I think I'm trying to look at my notes. Um, I think they're doing upgrades or something on the ship. And so they can't really like do that much, or maybe like the crew's having shore leave. It's something where it's beneficial to have the holodeck on 24 seven, because after the success, like the initial launch of this program goes so well, everyone's enjoying it, including Janeway. So she's especially like, sure, go ahead, Tom, like, let it run all the time. Well, Neelix asked, actually, like, as morale officer, he was like, can we keep this just open door protocol? And that's one of his best ideas, I think. Absolutely. Because then people can just, oh, after work, we can just go hang out at the bar. It's not 10 forward, but Mm -hmm. it's like this really like friendly, awesome atmosphere where you can make friends with the holodeck characters and you can play toss rings like darts I assume there's probably darts Um, and then for Janeway she actually falls for the bartender she has an amazing first night with him where she ends up it's kind of like Tuvok hanging out in the holodeck all night after the party after everybody leaves Janeway is still there at the bar talking to this barman and then his wife walks in at the very end yeah and she's like okay (laughs) yes I know. And so then, you know, and she, when she's talking to this barman, she notices some things like, oh, he hasn't really read the books I've read. Other things that sort of are like, oh man, that's a, a little bit of a disappointment. But of course the wife is the full letdown for Janeway. Yes. Um, and so then she goes back into the holodeck and adjusts his parameters and get some stubble on him. Um, Ashley made this incredible video on TikTok of the Yoshka watch. And seeing Janeway, like, the whole beard come off. And Janeway just goes, no, no, I don't like that. (laughs) Put some back. (laughs) 
as as if you could I I I wish you could really do that you know you're like honey you're put some back yeah you shave too much (laughs) (laughs) of course my man's in the air force so I'll never see him in a beard again unless it's like the holidays he had a really good one over the holidays and then he had to shave it so sad (laughs) I'm having a really hard life everyone I hope no yeah But yeah, Janeway gets her perfect amount of hair on his face. And then she says, delete the wife also. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The iconic and problematic line of delete the wife. (laughs) He just, and I assume that means delete all memories, delete everything that ever had to do with his wife, which makes me wonder again, what delete means? Because we talked about this with Tuvok going through his other flirtation uh, moment you know, for him, it's different. Tuvok's married and he did not delete his wife. <laughs> he deleted the the girl, the holodeck character. But yeah, I just think even though she met her once, you know, like that's just complicated, Janeway. <laughs> like <laughs> I get it. Sure. You want to like keep it going with this man, but delete the wife. Oof. Well, see, I think she should have said, like, for clarity, decompile the wife. Oh, <laughs> Ashley says go a step further. Well, because of our question about delete, because yeah. is it like Spider-Man 3, where, which I should say, <laughs> um, far from, it's not far from home. It's um, no way home. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Spider-Man yeah. 3, no way home, mm-hmm. where everyone forgets who spider-man is and who tom holland is i mean not tom holland i guess but peter <laughs> no one Bo- can forget parker. who tom holland is <laughs> like everyone's forgets spider-man and peter parker like and so does the whole holodeck program forget that he had a wife or it's like she just deleted and, and then he doesn't remember but everyone else is like buddy where's your wife where's like, your wife yeah i think it's got to be the former like they probably have a whole like if the p- character's deleted then everything about her is forgotten from all the other holiday characters. But then like, is she stored in the memory of the computer so she could come back at any time? Or is she like destroyed from the holiday? (laughs) We have so many questions about the semantics that I (laughs) wish they would (laughs) clarify for us. It would just like make the scene more like hilarious if she said decompile the wife (laughs) oh my god totally well I was also cracking up because she at one point is pretty much just like educate this bitch you know like he needs to be way more educated I need him to know the books that I've read and so she's like no give him like a Oxford education or something I can't remember where she said but um it just cracks me up because then she goes back into the holodeck and has an even more flirtatious time than before oh my gosh this is a rare moment and I treasure it because she is happy go lucky Janeway she has forgotten that she is the captain of a ship stranded in the delta quadrant and that she has 156 lives on her shoulder like there's Mm -hmm. no burden she's just like chilling she's walking by the lake with this guy And I thought, again, I'm like quaking because, uh, of course, this is still an open door policy. So everyone else is coming in and out of the holodeck while she's having her adventure. I knew Um, you were going to talk about this. And Chakotay runs into them on the street. And she's almost like, oh, oh, my gosh. Like, 
I forgot because she's in her full outfit, like committed to the role. And Chakotay's like, whoa, captain. And then the dude is like, did he call you captain? I'm like, what's yeah, like, going what? on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I feel exactly like Chakotay. It's so wonderful to see her being happy because, and she's going to discuss this later with the doctor because she starts to feel weird about, oh gosh, I've, I have like fallen for the the hologram, you know, um, Tom does say, Harry, we've all done it. So I'm going to say Janeway, we've all done it. Don't worry. Yes, exactly. Um, everyone has fallen for a hologram at some point. And what the doctor says to her is like, it's okay. Because if you were to get with anyone else on the ship, they're all your subordinates. So you're completely lonely. And that's just not a human way to survive this voyage. Like you can't be celibate for seven years and like still be happy unless, you know, she's, unless she wants that, but yeah. she doesn't, you know, she needs some companionship. It's lonely at the top. And uh, so I'm glad that she, I think it's Michael, right? Isn't it Michael? Yes, Michael. Yeah. So I'm glad she has him for that. And I'm totally with the doctor, like go for it. But again, Janeway is just not the type of person who can like come like full out completely. I mean, she's not going to marry him. You know what I mean? Sure. She, yeah. She still has that voice in her head saying, this is silly. I think the whole time after the glass kind of shatters when Chakotay sees her in that state. So I just you think it's, it's Chakotay who shatters that glass for her. I think, I think so. Yeah. Mm. Because after that, like she doesn't return. She has like a nice time with him and then yeah. she doesn't come back and she stops going to the holodeck. And this is where Michael like goes crazy. Yeah. Poor Michael's losing his, losing it. So, and Janeway has this really lovely speech or just like beautifully delivered way to go to the writers and to Mulgrew because she talks about how she was laying in the field with him. Like she's telling the doctor this stroking his hair. And then she sort of realized everything was illusion and she's feel like she's kidding herself to even have these feelings. And it's just, it breaks my heart, you know, because the doctor is right. He says the hologram is the logical conclusion for like someone you can express your love to and can have it expressed back, you know, because like you said, she's the captain. So I think that she just at this point was not quite ready, you know, and she needed that talk with the doctor. And honestly, like um, he's in rare form in this Fairhaven, but everyone is like really just thriving right now, sort of, you know, with having another place to go. It's now what season six. So it's been a, quite a long time. They've been in the Delta Quadrant. They just need another place to escape to and to feel welcome in. Yeah. I just, I think that, oh, it's, it's so crazy and devastating at the same time because she's saying like, oh, he started snoring and I realized I could just delete his snoring and I could just make him my perfect man and it would never be real, you know? And this is the conclusion that we see our characters come to again and again with the holodeck and we've seen in every single series besides, of course, TAS because they wanted to get the hell out of that rec room. <laughs> but everything else, you know, people are realizing, okay, but real life is calling to me and this can't be my real life. And I have to go back to it at some point. Absolutely. Rihanna. I think the compromise that Janeway comes to is that she eventually locks herself out of the Michael Sullivan hologram. And she says, okay, computer, make sure that I can't modify him anymore because otherwise I will just continue to delete his snoring and change his facial hair again, you know, to like, to her whim. 
And so I think that's a really smart choice and it's a good way to kind of meet in the middle. Like, okay, I can have a guy that I think is really cute and I can flirt with him and like relax with, but I also, it, it adds some like reality to the situation as well. And then also real quick, I do want to amend my statement. I don't think it is Chakotay actually that like completely breaks her out of this. I think mm-hmm. it's the first crack where yeah. she's like, oh, I was having so much fun. And now I'm like suddenly brought back to reality because of Chakotay. But I think it is the snoring is the is yeah. the thing that tips her over the edge. And she's like, I just like can't be in control of this man anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. And she after I'm proud of her because after at the end of this episode, she does decide to keep her holographic boyfriend. I was just going to say, too, like, I mean, they don't have much left to keep because Fairhaven almost gets destroyed during this storm where they have to take reroute all power, including holodeck power, and they don't have time to shut down Fairhaven. So it gets like everything except 10% gets like completely demolished. And so they have to like pretty much rebuild it. Yeah, it's so sad. Yeah. It's terrible. And uh, I thought it was considerate that Tom and kind of everyone knows what's going on. Like, oh, the captain has a holographic friend that she's been hanging out with. She has yeah. a great line to Chakotay um, when they're hanging out on the bridge. She says, you know, it's the classic story. Girl meets boy. Girl modifies boy subroutines. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best lines. I'm so glad you brought that up. Amazing line. Like, she's not afraid sharing that with him. You know, like, yeah, yeah. you know, I have a thing on the side. It's fine um totally but I thought it was great that they asked her do you want to keep Michael Sullivan as a character and keep him as who he was and like we said she says yes but then she also locks herself out so she can't change him anymore so smart I love that restraint you know yeah exactly so then in the next um Fairhaven episode this is only a couple episodes later we have spirit folk and this one's so funny and I want to say well done I have really changed because when I first saw this as I think I was like a senior junior senior in like high school when I first saw this episode I was I thought it was just cringe and I thought it was just annoying holodeck episode so dumb but (laughs) I really get a kick out of this episode now I don't know what's changed but this one was hilarious to me Ashlyn, I feel the same way. I remember taking all of Fairhaven as just an annoying, like, I don't know, filler almost, I considered it, and didn't really take it much into account. But also there was so much of Voyager that just went over my head because we watched it way too fast and we're just like, we're just trying to finish it before you left for college, you know, so... I think we watched it too close to TNG and we even watched yeah. them two years apart and it was still know, too but close. It was still too close. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So true. Um, but yeah, Spirit Folk is such a great episode because it gives us a more like a lighter insight into what could happen if uh holodeck characters realize that something that they're they might something is going awry here. And not in a malevolent way. You know, I like that it took this turn. We're not getting a Moriarty episode again, but we are getting, seeing these holodeck characters start to gain self-awareness. Yeah. And this is not quite like Tuvok's alien friend, like alter yeah. ego level of awareness where, and and not even awareness where they realize that they're holograms at sure. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. They just think like, oh man, there is like a witch in the city or yeah, like, like there's some, there's, there's spirit folk about. And yeah. I, I just loved hearing this. I think also because I read um amazing book by Susanna Clark called Dr. Strange and Mr. Norrell. And it's a, or how like the early 20th century would have gone. 
if there was actually magic in the UK and specifically in England. And they talk so like she, Susanna Clark, like to talk so much about the fairies and the, like the fairy King and like, ha- like the origin of magic. And so I was shaken to see this same lore in spirit folk. So I just had like That's no idea epic. all of that lore existed. I know about like King Arthur lore and things like that, but I didn't know about, um, about any of this. So it's, it's like from something. So I thought that was great. And yeah. everything they're describing about being spirited away. And like, there was this town that like, close to us that something similar happened where all the people started going missing and the, they yes. were taken by fairies. And so this is what the townspeople are worried about when they see Tom turning Harry's date, Maggie into a cow. <laughs> yeah. And fixing his broken tire and like, <laughs> you know, saying computer arch, you know, that kind of stuff. The characters, there's a glitch essentially where they're able to now be more aware of their surroundings than holodeck characters usually are. Which when which when they finally said that, I started looking closer at like Da Vinci and the people in the other episodes. And I was like, yeah, they truly don't have awareness of when Chakotay calls to Janeway, you know, like there's just a filter that just like blocks all that out for the characters. And that was broken down as well. And yeah, I could not believe the cow. But also I just <laughs> I, I want to quickly talk about how probably I think they chose us an Irish town for Kate Mulgrew. You know, it's it's similar to how like Jerry Taylor is, is from Bloomington, and so she made Jane Way. You know, like from Bloomington. From Bloomington, yeah, yeah. And so maybe it's similar. You know, because it it, it was cool to hear Jane Way talk about it in Fairhaven and this episode of sort of like, obviously Jane Way the character is not, but she of course talks a lot about her like connection to Irish culture and just it was really cool to have that in here. Absolutely. Yes. (laughs) So I was also wondering, and this might be a crazy conspiracy theory, but hear me out. So you were talking about the, the characters in Fairhaven who were talking about a, another town that got just like slowly, just people started disappearing and then it just like deleted or just was gone from existence. And I'm like, what if holodeck towns like, know each other through some crazy subroutine where they could all like connect so maybe some like tng town the data was like made you know they know of that one because it was also in ireland like i don't know but i was just like that would be the craziest ode to like oh yeah all holodeck towns are like actually on this one (laughs) like they all know each other like i don't know i just thought that would be hysterical I'm only not laughing because I have I'm too much of an engineer and I don't think that's possible. Yeah. And I'm so <laughs> sorry. Not possible. <laughs> but like it would be so cool. And when they said that, I was like, I wonder if it'd be so cool if they referenced a town that like we knew they don't use as a program anymore or something. Absolutely. Well, and that would suggest that there was some knowledge yeah. of like other programs or something. Yeah. Yeah, like Moriarty was having that awareness. Which yeah. again, I mean, that would just be a whole other story. Like oh, totally, oh, no. like too much to write in. So, but anyway, um, it's so fun too to see them all like gather in the bar and trade stories. And oh well, I was too afraid to say this, but now I will. You know, I'll come forward because you all are sharing your stories, and that is it, it creates this great atmosphere. 
Yeah, it's so funny, especially because the doctor is supposed to be oh, yeah, the, the, preacher. the preacher. So he has really hilarious sermons. He's like old, very old fashioned, like you're going to hell, you know, yeah. like he just yelling at everyone is damned. You're all sinners. Um, but then when he even comes, because it, it, it like escalates where Tom yeah. and Harry are actually taken captive. <laughs> yeah, and they I, all believe they're like of magic, you know. Yeah, and I think the holodeck safeties are off. <laughs> yeah, like, of like the, the program is completely malfunctioning, going crazy. It's called the perception filter when, you know, that, that they can sense the world around them or not. And that's what's offline. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and part of it, too, is like the holodeck characters, they shot the control panel with their guns. <laughs> Oh my God, that was so so funny. (laughs) Harry can't even, and Harry and Tom can't even do anything within the holodeck to make any changes because they can't talk to the computer. The manual control is like totally broken. Also, Michael is the one because it's all crazy like they've they've tied down harry and tom the doctor comes he gets tied down too and then some of the people try to hypnotize the doctor which works works (laughs) what i have a lot of questions (laughs) about that literally what is going on Mm -hmm. and uh and then michael sullivan because he is probably like the most educated like smartest person in town Mm -hmm. he's like guys what are you doing like these are our friends what's going on let's be reasonable here and he takes the mobile emitter from the doctor and then he leaves <laughs> and yeah. like finds Janeway and like they talk it out. And also I should say throughout the episode, while Harry and Tom are trying to fix the program, the characters keep popping up in like the like fix it section of the holodeck, I guess. Like yeah. they keep bringing up the characters and Sullivan is aware that yeah. he's being worked on like he knows he's in the shop but he so, just play acts that he doesn't you know at one point they're like okay we deleted your or we reactivated your perception filter hey how you doing he's like hey having a great day you know and totally acted like he didn't know yeah so he just wants the truth from Janeway and totally so I thought this was an awesome scene at the end of the episode where she tells him everything that's going on and yeah well not everything she says that they're from the future which I think is a great yeah way of covering this up because I mean they sort of are yeah exactly and I think this honestly is just so perfect because Fairhaven now becomes a place that they can really be their real selves you know and the holograms accept them and they let everyone go and they realize oh we can coexist like you guys are just kind of like crazy people from the future but you have some cool technology and we like having you around, you know, so we're not bothered. And I just love the fact that this even became sort of a diplomatic negotiation. Yeah, absolutely. It's a a situation where the more truth is revealed, the better it's going to be for everybody. And yeah. this happens a lot on the holodeck, turns out. Truly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we should jump a little bit back and talk about Mrs. Davenport. Um, These episodes only happen in the first like two seasons. But Janeway, again, you know, we're talking about how she needs to unwind. (laughs) She enters this. It's basically turn of the screw. If you know that story where or even sound of music low key, but not quite (laughs) where like Janeway enters as a governess for Mr. Davenport and uh, she has to watch his two kids and there's this housekeeper that hates her and the girl thinks that like her mom is still alive even though she's dead and the dad is like mourning and he's really angry and of course they end up falling in love yeah but Jane waits first foray into holographic love 
Yeah, exactly. And all of these, like Mrs. Davenport, this whole situation is not one that is really like we never see a whole episode of her in this situation, but we have a lot that are just like the opening of the episode. So like it begins in the episode we cannot pronounce Kath Kathiks. Yeah. Cat Kathis Just wish I know. But it's like when Janeway comes to the manor and she's like, oh hello, little children. Yeah, and then she has in- to talk to the, the maid or whatever, and they hate each other. Yeah. Yeah. And then in learning curve, we see that Janeway is practicing with meeting the kids. And then we see the extent of like the little girl's like, my mom's alive. Um, and then <laughs> um, and then in persistence of vision. She like encourages uh, the daughter to like continue her art and her music or whatever. And they like meet with the kids and stuff, but it's mostly just showing her like, Ooh, her still, she still got something going on with the, with her man. Yeah. And I would say persistence of vision is the one that features the story the most because they're in the rest of the episode. She keeps seeing things showing up from her holodeck experience in real life so like she's in the kitchen with neelix and he's showing her all the food that he made and she sees cucumber sandwiches which were also in the program in the first five minutes and this goes on until they realize it's actually an alien who's like doing this to all of them and like trapping them uh in these visions that they're having like they're reading so this alien in this case was reading janeway's mind she just found the holodeck so that's why all this holodeck stuff is coming up but it's similar, honestly, to the fight with Chakotay, where like there's some aliens that are like using the holodeck to induce some sort of like vision state, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. That's um, so true. Yeah. Yeah. So which I think, Rihanna, is a great time to now do all of our honorable mentions. Yes. So these are episodes. I'm I'm going to read them and I, I don't want you to freak out because I'm going to say some big episodes that are like really important to Voyager. And, and yes, they had some holodeck on them, but in our opinion, was not enough to spend 10 minutes talking about the episode. So totally. I'm going gonna, gonna to tempt you with these amazing episodes that all feature holodecks, but don't please don't hate us. Um, so in season one, we have the cloud and then Jetral. in season two, partition, threshold, meld, life signs, the thaw, Tuvix. in season three, the swarm, warlord, Q in the gray, microcosm, blood fever, darkling, before and after, distant origin, displaced. In season four, we have day of honor, nemesis, Scientific Method, Mortal Coil, Vis-a-Vis, The Omega Directive, One, Hope and Fear. In season five, we have Night, Timeless, Latent Image, Dark Frontier, The Fight. In season six, Lifeline. And then season seven, Imperfection, Repression, Inside Man, Body and Soul, Shattered, Lineage, Prophecy, and Q2. Woo! Thank you for reading that, Ashlyn. These are spectacular episodes but yeah they just have either opening this is so what we talked about in tng as well like they'll just do an opening to a holodeck episode or they'll open an episode in the holodeck and then have it nothing relate it's just okay the real plot's going to interrupt their holodeck time yeah and just like tng there's just so many (laughs) yeah yeah i mean so many yeah i said on our first pod that there's 66 total that mention or have a holodeck in so that's that's like so many seasons of Voyager. <laughs> That's like almost half of Voyager. 
Wow. <laughs> That's insane. Almost not quite. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Um, so, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. It's time. Woo-woo. Let's talk about the one, the only Leonardo da Vinci. Here he is. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm just shaken because he's also Gimli. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Sala from Indiana Jones. From Indiana Jones. Yeah, we have John Rise Davies playing uh, Da Vinci. And he, of course, is also featured in Lower Decks, which we'll have to talk about later in the series, of course. But we first meet Da Vinci in the episode Scorpion Part 1 and then again in Part 2. Uh, Janeway, we see her. She is in Da Vinci's workshop. This is, of course, the beginning of the episode. And she's just asking him for a small corner of the workshop. Like, basically, she just wants the Da Vinci vibe. She wants to hang out with him and be, like, around his genius. And especially, like, where he's living in Florence, I think. Yeah. Um, And so... And also she's looking around at everything in the shop and she even suggests to him like, hey, your flying machine, you should have designed it after a hawk who glides rather than a flapping bird. So she's just like helping Da Vinci. And then he agrees. He's like, okay, sure. You can stay in my shop. That's all good. This is such a great introduction to Da Vinci because we're getting it like bit by bit instead of throwing her into the program. This is her like meeting him more and saying, hey, please like just yeah, give me a corner of your shop. And so then we get to see her in that corner later on working with him and how he essentially takes her on as a like, like an apprentice. Yeah. Takes her on as an apprentice. Yeah. I love that. This is kind of her more intellectual playground. She can go to, you know, maybe after she's kind of done with the Davenport story, you know, she's like, eh, I want to actually hang out with one of the most brilliant minds, artistic minds of, of his era, you know? Yeah. And I think also this is sort of her equivalent of like going to Starbucks to work, you know, like instead of staying at your house. (laughs) I love that. Because it's like such a productive atmosphere and you can run anything by Da Vinci (laughs) that you're thinking of, you know, as long as you put it into terms that he can understand. Like actually she goes like halfway through Scorpion to Da Vinci to the workshop and to ask his advice, like I'm at this crossroads, what do I do? And he says to pray. And she instead is like, no, I'm going to make an alliance with the Borg. Like, I'm going to choose a third road instead of um, the two paths that are offered to her. So I love that. I love that, like, this, it's it's working, this creative space of, that's encouraging, like, thinking outside of the box just gave her this idea to befriend the Borg. And then in part, in part two, we see her at the very end of the episode, Chakotay joins her in this simulation and... Uh, she's writing out her captain's log by hand with a quill, with an ink and quill. Epic. I love that. She says, like, she explains, like, I just don't want to be around technology because she's just come over, you know, Scorpion part two. They just saved seven from the Borg. Um, the Borg. They've, yeah. yeah, they've had a crazy encounter with the Borg. So she understandably says, I don't want any technology around me right now. I just need to be in this environment of calm. Yeah, and I think... This is something that I would really relate to because I just, I love this era of Italy and I think it's so fascinating and we're going to have Da Vinci talk about like the Borgias later and talk about his flying machine more and everything. And so it's, I think I would definitely be one of those people to go back and like hang out with Shakespeare, ask for a corner of his, you know, or like Wordsworth or something. So I really, I, I love that, like harboring a creative space that she can go to and that she takes seven onto. And so I really like the fact that these two episodes have sort of a 
have sort of a connection to Seven of Nine and to the Borg, you know, that how, who knew that Da Vinci, that Da Vinci and the Borg would have such a connection in Voyager? Well, and Da Vinci and Seven are, they join at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Wow. <laughs> what great introductions. <laughs> yeah. In the episode, The Raven, this is the first time we see, well, it's the first time on screen that we see Janeway has brought seven to this cute little studio. Also um, Da Vinci's not there, but she as in seven is like working with clay, like trying to sculpt a human face. And Janeway tells her, you know, I, I would be embarrassed to show Maestro Da Vinci this creation, but for me, it's something that really helps me focus, helps me relax. And it's a project that I can continually come back to and keep working on and use my like creative brain. And so I think seven, like she doesn't really get it. She's like, this is dumb. (laughs) Like this is a pointless use of time, a pointless waste of time. But then at you know, the whole episode of the Raven is her discovering that, oh my gosh, my parents were actual people and they were assimilated by the Borg. And she understands their story about how she was assimilated and who they were, what they were trying to accomplish throughout the story. And so at the end of the episode, when Seven is effectively changed by all of this, um, she's like, okay, like this maybe is a good space for me to think about other possibilities, other worlds, because I'm actually more human than I thought I was. Yes, absolutely. And I think that there's something so important about coming to a space where you can be imaginative and not feel pressured to create something perfect, you know, and especially with like, this is just why I say that Janeway should have been Seven's dating teacher, because she guides her so easily into saying like, I created something, it's not perfect, but I like putting the work in and I like having like, exactly like you said, Ashlyn. And so that is something that Seven needs to learn, you know, that perfection was so assumed with the Borg that now she doesn't, now when she's not perfect, it's not the end of the world, you know? And um, as a perfectionist, I like think about this a lot, you know, and I think about how I've been learning to do digital art and it's really, really fun. And there are some times where I get to the mindset of, I will never be able to do this piece of art that's like been in my brain for a while. And then about two months later, I'm working on it and I'm like halfway through it. And it's a lot more manageable because I put the time in and put the work in. And so, yeah, what the beginning was not anything I would want to show Maestro (laughs) Da Vinci, but like the end might be, you know, and I think that that's so important. Janeway is guiding her through like everything does not have to be perfect on the first try and doesn't ever have to be finished, you know? And so that sort of ties into her story about like her parents' story is not finished because she's still here and she's still growing and learning to be human and to low-key be better than her parents were to her. Absolutely. Rihanna, that was beautifully put. Yeah. I just like love Seven Nine because I relate to her so much on a lot of different levels and uh, just to find out that she's also a queer woman, like later on in life, the character, I was like, what? you know another way that I am seven of nine um so the raven is like one of my favorite episodes and the, the da vinci parts like actually are the parts that I really remember most about the episode and that really um struck me as like just such a beautiful way to help seven through this journey absolutely yeah and I think there's even like 30 second scenes of them like hanging yeah. out together I remember there's one I can't remember the exact episode title where um, seven is like at the workshop late at night. Jane was like, Oh, I didn't realize you'd be here. Um, she's like, yeah, like 
I didn't wake up Da Vinci because he hates when I visit at midnight. <laughs> I was like, that's really cute, you know, that they <laughs> that's both the know cutest that. Thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I, I hope that, I hope, I love that it's sort of just Seven and Janeway and Da Vinci's thing, you know, like, I don't know <laughs> if a lot of people else did visit him, um, but it's just how they share that same kind of, in, all three of them share those kind of same intellectual quirks and desires to be constantly bettering themselves, which we are going to be seeing in our very last episode. Are we ready? Oh my gosh, we made it, Rihanna. <laughs> we did it. Part two of Voyager Holodex episode with our very last episode concerning flight from season four. And Ashlyn and I have the absolute pleasure of watching this episode together. And it is a true joy to experience. <laughs> Every time I see it, I feel 10 times happier than when I hadn't seen it. <laughs> so Absolutely. I'm so happy we get to talk about this. Yeah. And this is in the middle of season four. It's interesting because we're like Janeway just wanted this program to be her like workspace her like fostering creativity but we are starting to see that it's playing out the story of da Vinci's life and so he's wanting to do things that he does in his real life or in his real story which is he wants to leave he wants to like go somewhere else he doesn't want to stay in Florence anymore because no one understands him and the episode opens with him and Janeway trying out his flying machine and they land in the river <laughs> I love that too like talk about showing instead of telling because we don't see the like fall into the river we just see them after in his workshop like Janeway's wringing her hair out Da Vinci is like completely soaked and just saying like oh we need to try this again like what happened with the breaks or whatever you know and it's that's so clever I love the way the scene opens I love it too it's very memorable because it's very rare to see Janeway like completely soaked in water yeah and just like <laughs> only mildly irritated but mostly like she seems like she's having fun, you know? I think she had a blast. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. who wouldn't... Crashing into the river with Da Vinci. Fly <laughs> with Da Vinci. Yeah, like, the safeties are on. Like, yeah. how, what, how couldn't hurt, you know? And then after that, like, the poor people of Florence are, like, yelling at Da Vinci, like, calling him crazy. And he's like, oh, yeah. I gotta go. You know, I gotta peace out. And so the story takes a whole nother turn when... <laughs> when the when Voyager gets robbed and the sh the ship comes by and like steals all the most valuable technology including the holodeck no I the, can't remember uh, how da Vinci, mobile emitter yeah yeah steals the mobile emitter but somehow like da Vinci had it and not the doctor no no so what happened is they steal the mobile emitter <laughs> wait yeah how does da Vinci <laughs> I think I think it just program getting transferred or I don't know. Yeah, Probably I see the smart mind on the holodeck. So they were like anything of a value. I think it just vanished like from the doc from the sick bay, like the doctor wasn't using it. And so I think there's some jumbo about, yeah, they just like turn it on and then out pops to Vinci, I guess. Or he legitimately like looked for a like any holodeck programs that he could steal and stole Da Vinci. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it was running at that time. Too. Yeah, because what he said, um, he has this whole like harrowing tale about how he was taken in by like Spaniards or whatever, and now he's in he thinks he's in America, so maybe he was kidnapped by the guy. I thought that scene was amazing because they go down to this planet. This is most of the crew because they're like, oh my god, all our all our the most valuable stuff was stolen. So a rare moment, you know, where we get to see like Janeway, Jacote, and everybody down there. And uh, <laughs> does Chakotay go down there? I think it's just Janeway and Tuvok. Oh, it's Tuvok. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. 
And we get this great moment where Da Vinci sees Janeway and is like, <laughs> welcome to America. Katarina. <laughs> yes. I yeah, that just cracks me up. Like he, he really thinks he's in America. Janeway's shocked face too when when like he kisses her on the cheek and tugs her, and she's just like, Are you serious? What is Da Vinci doing here? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's clear that he's not really seeing things as they are. So he's experiencing mm-hmm. everything through what that perception filter yeah yeah the perception filter what he so he's seeing like advanced technology as if it's like a cool designed like piece of technology from his time Mm -hmm. he literally calls the phaser like you shoot it and it controls the thunder and the heavens and the lightning like yeah 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 yeah, exactly and he says he's working for this prince and he that's the guy who stole the technology so luckily Janeway and Tuvok are able to follow him back to the prince and then the ship is able to figure out oh this is the guy who stole all our stuff yeah and I absolutely love that Da Vinci is just so clueless about this being like a you know mission where we have to go get back our stuff because he doesn't know what Janeway does on her spare time obviously he he has that perception filter on and so I absolutely love that he both hinders and greatly assists them, you know, because Tuvok makes a point like, yes, you, this is a hologram of Da Vinci, but he has both all of his genius and all of his like recklessness or I can't remember the word he used, but essentially like he can be like kind of all over the place. (laughs) And so this might hinder our mission. But I love that, you know, Tuvok is ordered to make small talk with him. Like, oh, it's just absolutely beautiful. Like all of these character moments are so glorious. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, wonderful. I, I really love this episode. I also really love what Da Vinci says um, because this entire time he's questioning Janeway, like, what is going on? You know, I don't understand anything that's happening. It turns out I don't really even know you, Casodina. Like you're a captain, yeah. like what's going on? And he gets into this discussion about, how much he loves having his freedom, which would totally make sense. He can go anywhere he wants. Mm-hmm. Like this is, and it's totally different from the program that he knows. And he says, I want to stay here. You know, I don't want to go back to Florence. She's trying to convince him, you have to go home. We have to go back to the holiday. Yeah, Come on. Literally, and yeah. I think he says like a line, like, when are we not in a cage? Yeah, I, I, have, I have it here. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He says to Janeway, when are we not in prison? it's a cage of gold, you know? So he says like any cage is a cage, but when you're living in a cage of gold, like at least he has more resources. He's like, I can work on my shop. I can work on my inventions, however I like. Um, and I get any materials I need from this perfect prince, you know? So yeah, it's absolutely a beautiful line. It reminds me of McCoy's line, a cage is a cage, you know? And we've seen this all the time with Moriarty saying, no, it's not enough to know that I exist. It, I need to get off this holodeck. Yeah. Well, and I think the point that Da Vinci's bringing up too is like, even when you are like have perceptions of being free, we still live in the cage of society. So like, wouldn't you rather live in the cage of society rather than like the cage of a holodeck program, even though he doesn't know, he doesn't even know that that's the argument that he's making. And I want to- it is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I want to bring up something interesting because in all of these other holodeck episodes that we've watched in- so many series, but especially in Voyager, in some of them, they figure out that they're holograms and it goes awry in one way or another. But Janeway 
like, cause he's really wondering, he's like, I have a mind that is naturally curious. And so I'm trying to figure out how all of this is happening right now. Like, especially when it gets down to the nitty gritty of like, they're actually trying to save Voyager. So they go to the docks where like all of the um, stuff is being kept, including like the site to site transporter their and their computer, like, like hello, computer major Barra is down there. Yeah. Um, and she recognizes Janeway. Thank goodness. Thank God. Um, yeah. So they're able to get it back up to Voyager, but this is really important business that they're doing in order for the ship to keep going. And Da Vinci's trying to wrestle with this. And he's like, I can understand so many things, but why can't I understand this? And she's like, yeah, there's just. Shot too. Yeah, he gets, he gets, that's the thing that really triggers him literally. Yeah. He's like, why am I not like shot down? What's going on? Why did it go through me? And the way that Janeway describes it is wonderful. She says, if, imagine if you were a bird, would you know anything of like politics or anything? Or uh, would you just be concerned with what's going on on your branch? And he's like, okay, yeah, this, it makes sense. Like my brain is not big enough to understand what's really going on in this world, but he's going to try, you know, is, is yes. kind of his conclusion. So I I love this way that she negotiates it with him. And I was honestly surprised. I thought he was going to figure out that he was a hologram and like do some crazy stuff. Yeah. I admire him so much for understanding that there are things in this world that I cannot comprehend and you know, it's the, the famous Star Trek quote of like, isn't science just magic that like, or just what people think is magic because they don't have the capacity to understand this type of science yet, you know? And so they call it magic. And I think this is similar, you know, this is Da Vinci understanding from that very narrow scope. And we discussed this in part one of, of our holodeck episode of Voyager, where scopes can really alter the way that you look at your life and historical lenses or you know just like perceptions on existence and that can absolutely be altered depending on where you're at and it reminds me actually of dear hank and john um john john and hank green have this wonderful podcast also siblings doing a podcast so they're a huge inspiration to us and sometimes john will talk about like just the overall confusingness of being human and of not knowing like who you are different minutes in the day and I think about that of like how could we possibly know everything that's going on around us when we only see it through a certain lens whether it's you know like people get graduation goggles they are told different things in the media that they believe and family upbringing like there's so many different circumstances that can change the way we look at the world and I just I'm so like in admiration of Da Vinci, this holodeck character who was able to accept that and understand that there are things that are mind-bending and absolutely feels impossible and he doesn't fall apart. Like, that's incredible. Yes, and I think Janeway trusts that he has the intellect to understand this is what being alive means, is that we don't know what's going on a lot of the time. And, like, we don't know about, I mean, he doesn't even know about planets and <laughs> like all this stuff necessarily totally. despite everything that he accomplished in his time so I think it's wise that she just trusts like okay he's smart enough to know that we don't have everything figured out exactly and now we get the wonderful end or like climax to this episode where they're being chased up this hill they've they've transported all of their goods back to Voyager and they now need to get away and they're running on foot 
but Da Vinci already has his flying machine set up that he has put together with the materials from his prints. He just like left it on this hill. Yeah, I love that. He's like, it's ready to go whenever I need to test it. But, you know, this time Da Vinci says there will be no river, only the rocks, you know, will break or fall. And Janeway is just like, well, looks sturdy enough. Let's try it. You know, we have no other choice. We're getting shot at. And she goes flying with Da Vinci. And it's like one of the greatest moments in television history. Like, I'm not even kidding. It is so glorious to see just Janeway and Da Vinci just flying together. And it's working. And they're having a great time. They're like, we're flying. (laughs) Like, They're experiencing one of the true joys of being human, which is defying gravity. I also love when uh, they have the flashback to the scene on the bridge and Tuvok is saying like, they're in the air. <laughs> like what is going on? They are on? in midair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love that they save the contraption. They're like, we need a place for them to land. So they beam them, like the, they fly them into Cargo Bay 2 or something, which I think they do with the shuttle too. Like how incredible. I know. Just amazing. They do such a good job. It also yeah. reminded me, you know, just about how Janeway's not afraid to do anything like this untested thing with Da Vinci that the safeties are absolutely off, <laughs> you know, if, <laughs> something go- world, yeah. if something goes wrong, but she trusts that Voyager's going to grab her and, you know, it's all going to work out fine. But it just, it also reminded me, and this is a little prodigy spoiler, um, but in the episode where they have, they have a body swap, uh, Dahl and Janeway do, and they have to basically like fly each of them in the middle of this warp bubble and touch each other. So their bodies will like flip back into their own. And Janeway's like, oh, so you're telling me I have to, you know, she's like, after dis- being described what she has to do, she's like, oh, sure. This isn't my first rodeo. I'm not nervous at all, but to anyone else like Dahl, like this is very daunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Wonderful example, Ashlyn. I just like cannot get enough of these holodeck episodes. And I honestly thought I would be like (laughs) feeling the cringe more than I am, you know, because I judged Fairhaven so poorly. I judged a lot of the doctor episodes uh, poorly. And I want to say, I'm sorry to Voyager for, for not giving it the benefit of the doubt and the writing, the credit it deserves, regardless of some of the cringy episodes, none of them get to the level of Barkley's TNG nonsense or the Leah Brahms nonsense. So yeah, it's and honestly, nice. yeah. even the non-HR compliant episodes were really few and far between in Voyager. So I think as a society, they're able to not just like all bang each other on the holodeck anymore. <laughs> well, and I think because we got to see a, gar- a Barkley growth um, and we still got to cry at the end of a Barkley episode, which I never thought was going to happen. So Seems impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I'm so happy that like we got to talk about all these wonderful episodes that Janeway got to fly um, like the birds, as Da Vinci says. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so glad that uh, they all get to explore different ways of like time off and that we get to talk about these awesome episodes together. Absolutely. It really felt like like a small rewatch of the whole show of Voyager because we got a little flavor of everything. We got everybody seeing what they get to do on their time off, meeting these great holographic characters. But then there's also a lot of controversy, a lot of questioning of who has rights and what's real, like horror episodes. So we just got to see everything. And I just really cannot recommend enough. Like, pretty much every single one of these episodes slap and are some of the best ones in Voyager. Ashlyn, that's so incredible and so true. 
And now I have the sad news of saying nearly the opposite for our next episode, which will be Enterprise. And yes, we are still discussing Enterprise. We are discussing two episodes. And if you are not familiar with episode with Enterprise, you might be like, oh, which ones? Um, well, <laughs> this is the time, the time we never thought would come that the Daryl sisters do have to discuss the finale of Star Trek Enterprise. It won't be long. We promise, <laughs> but we are very excited to discuss it. And I think it will actually bring up a lot of interesting topics, but I also might not be well enough to make this episode. <laughs> we'll Anna, see how it goes. Please speak for yourself. I am not excited for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk about Trip getting pregnant. I am not yes. excited to talk about the finale, um, but you know, those guys had a long road getting from there to here. So We'll, we'll talk about it next week and um, it's going to be just like the exact opposite of the love fest of Voyager we just had. Either and way, also, you're going to enjoy it, I think. Besides the movie series and the pilot series, this is the shortest watch list we've ever had. Well, yeah. I mean, and the beginning of TAS, I guess, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for, for Enterprise, we've never only talked about two episodes before. So I, and I would say it's like two, it's like one episode and about 30 seconds of, 30 a, seconds of yelling and screaming of and crying. Finale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But I'm I'm also just still pumped because uh this means that we are entering a very different phase of the holodeck. And you're probably wondering where the hell we're gonna go from here. So just keep updated on our social media as we post these watch lists and talk about the upcoming episodes of Holodeck and simulations and everything simulated in Trek and every photonic friend we can find. So I'm really excited that we're pretty much entering a new era here pretty soon. A little early than we normally do because usually enterprises are our end of that era. Our hard transition. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. But Ashlyn, you brought like the most incredible insight to this two-parter and I'm so happy that you're like always my just Star Trek companion where we can just talk about the most philosophical things and then, you know, make a joke about the doctor. So it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Rihanna. This has been really fun. I think this is definitely a two part of that will go down in history is one of my favorite episodes and seriously, one of my favorite watch lists. And I keep saying that, but I I still think it's true. It was, it was a, a really fun week getting to watch all of these, which I can't believe we watched all those in a week. (laughs) Crazy. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and I know everyone's kind of starting to think about it. Usually around the Enter- Enterprise uh, Discovery episode is when we announce the next series. As of now, I still don't know what it's going to be. But if you are a patron, you actually will be knowing before anybody else. So if you're on the edge thinking, should I be a patron? Should I not? Definitely go ahead and donate to our podcast. You will be able to hear what the series is before our main feed, as well as have access to a lot of amazing episodes. We are currently currently reviewing, finishing up, uh, reviewing Lower Decks. So we can't wait to finish that and then move on to season three of Lower Decks after that. So yeah, it's going to be a great time. This is your sign to join if you haven't already for the Patreon. Yeah, especially because I know we say this every week, but uh, a lot of crazy things are happening in at least my life right now, but there will be changes coming to the Patreon, which might mean some, you know, depending on how you donate, you might get some input into what the next series could be. That's a little further down the line, but just wanting to give you a little taste of what we've got planned because we do have plans. 
even if we have to roll them out a little slower. <laughs> yeah, thank exactly. You. Thank you for so much for sticking with us. And Rihanna, next week, I will see you there with any emotions we have. We will discuss, <laughs> yes. discuss Enterprise. <laughs> thank you, Ashlyn. Computer and program. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the sixth episode of our Holodeck series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the photonic friends and enemies in Enterprise. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, and spooky series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these fantastic episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Don't forget to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I can buy myself flowers. flowers. And we're back. This is Southern Virginia. (laughs) NPR. (laughs) Reporting mild winds across the plains today. (laughs) And later we'll be talking to the senator of Denmark. (laughs) About how their sprinkling system is superior to ours. <laughs> um, so. Unless it's free. We are, sorry. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. 